Good morning. This, uh, this has a little bit different vibe and feel to it from the last time that I preached, uh, which was the first time. <laughs> um, Tyler took a, a much-needed break this week with his family to the mountains, and he asked me to preach for him this morning, and I was, once again, very grateful and glad to, uh, to jump in. Um, so I want to ask a question. Have you ever been disappointed? Well, I think we can all say yes to that question, right? It may have been at our seventh birthday, and we really wanted a pony. But unfortunately, our parents didn't get us a pony. Maybe it was at Christmas, and you were really wanting that official Red Rider carbine action 200-shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock. But you didn't get it because your mom said... Put your eye out. Many of us are still recovering from the disappointment of the final four. I mean, yesterday on the golf course, I was disappointed that I wasn't hitting 300-yard drives and making birdies on every hole. Because you see, disappointment can be because it can be about ourselves or from others. It comes when expectations are unmet, which occurs a lot of times because we many times put unrealistic expectations on ourselves and on others. And the higher the expectation, the higher the disappointment when things don't turn out the way we think they should. So what sort of Expectations do we have of ourselves and of others as disciples of Christ? Can we maybe set our expectations a little too high sometimes, causing us to miss some really amazing opportunities to experience the presence of God and to be the body of Christ in this world? Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So our scripture reading today, and I apologize, I'm going to have to read this off of my phone because I don't have the right version uh, <laughs> at home, so we'll, we'll do it this way. Our scripture reading, we're going to read uh, both the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, lectionary for, for today, for Palm Sunday. Uh, the Old Testament comes from Psalm 118. Uh, Verses 1 and 2, and then 19 to the end of the chapter. Give thanks to the Lord because He is good, because His faithful love lasts forever. Let Israel say it, God's faithful love lasts forever. Open the gates of righteousness for me so that I can come in and give thanks to the Lord. This is the Lord's gate. Those who are righteous enter through it. I thank you because you answered me, because you were my saving help. The stone rejected by the builders is now the main foundation stone. This has happened because of the Lord. It is astounding in our sight. This is the day that the Lord acted. We will rejoice and celebrate in it. Lord, please save us. Lord, 
Please let us succeed. The one who enters in the Lord's name is blessed. We bless all of you from the Lord's house. The Lord is God. He has shined a light on us. So lead the festival offering with ropes all the way to the horn of the altar. You are my God. I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will lift you up high. Give thanks to the Lord because he is good, because his faithful love lasts forever. And then our New Testament reading comes from Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 19. Get to it. Sorry about that. There we go. 20. I'm sorry. 29. As Jesus came to Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he gave two disciples a task. He said, go into the village over there. When you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying it? Just say, its master needs it. Those who had been sent found it exactly as he had said. As they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, Its master needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their clothes on the colt, and lifted Jesus onto it. As Jesus rode along, they spread their clothes on the road. As Jesus approached the road leading down from the Mount of Olives, the whole throng of his disciples began rejoicing. They praised God with a loud voice because of all the mighty things they had seen. They said, Blessed on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heavens. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, scold your disciples. Tell them to stop. He answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the stones would shout. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, as we know, today is Palm Sunday, as evidenced by the procession of the kids around with palm branches. And we're just a few days away from the crucifixion and Easter. It's the day that we remember Jesus' triumphal entry in Jerusalem. Crowds are cheering and shouting praises to him. They even line the streets with their cloaks, and in some of the other gospel accounts, they lay palm branches on the road, hence the term Palm Sunday. Because we know the rest of the story, we see just how juxtaposed this event is compared to what is about to happen. The event that we read about closely parallels the Old Testament reading from Psalm 118, which is an imagery of a king entering into the city after a glorious battle and victory. The crowd had to be thinking, this is the king that we've long awaited for. The one that has been promised to us by the scriptures and by the prophets. They had for centuries longed to be free of their oppressors and from slavery. They wanted to toss off the bonds of occupation and regain their sovereignty. Their land had been occupied and they had been enslaved time and time again. 
started with Egypt. We all know that story. Then there was Babylon and the Medes and the Persians. On and on until we come to the Romans. The people longed for a Messiah. Someone who would come and restore peace to Israel and dole out justice to the oppressors. All throughout scriptures, Messiah was foreshadowed. In Deuteronomy 18.15, Moses promises that God will raise up a prophet like himself. Ezekiel 37 promised that my servant David shall be king over them, and my servant David shall be their prince forever. The minor prophet Micah wrote, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. So the crowd that we see today is longing to be free. And here comes a man. They're suddenly confronted with this man that is performing miracles, healing people, doing things that only God could do. And describing how he would set Israel free. So his fame grew bigger and bigger until we come to today's scripture where Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem for what he knows is the last time. And then Jesus makes a rather strange yet simple request. He asks a couple of his disciples to go find a donkey. Now, why a donkey? Now, if this was the conquering king, wouldn't he be riding in on some great stallion with throngs around him, a throng of army around him, which is much like some people think Pontius Pilate may have been doing at the opposite end of the city at this very moment. Yet anyone who was familiar with the Messianic prophecies of the Old Testament would recall that the prophet Zechariah wrote that Messiah would come on a donkey. He wrote, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war, house from, a war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall command peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Could this really be this long-expected king? The one who's going to restore Israel to its full glory, but he's riding on a donkey. It's no wonder, though, that you know the, the disciples, the large group of disciples got excited. Maybe this is the one. And they ran ahead and they laid their cloaks on the road and palm branches on the road, singing Hosanna. God save us. This is usually a scene, again, for a king entering a city. So were their expectations off? You know, we, we know now that that's not really what happened. He did not, Jesus didn't come in and throw the Romans out of the seat of power. 
He came in riding, bringing peace, riding on a donkey. He was not looking to build an empire. He was looking to build a different sort of kingdom, a kingdom of disciples. So what about the disciples' expectations? You know, we've got this group of guys that have been with Jesus for about three years now. They left their families for everything and left their livelihoods, their, their jobs, their businesses to follow Jesus. Surely they, of all people, would know that who Jesus really is. But as we look in the Gospels, the, the disciples are seen at times dense, and even reading Mark, you almost get the sense that they're just like bumbling sidekicks. You know? Jesus is constantly telling them, guys, you're not getting it. Did you not hear what I said? Hello? Peter is always gung-ho. He's always engaging his mouth before his brain. Who's guilty of that, right? Amen, oh me. And a few verses earlier, James and John are asking Jesus, grant us the right to sit on either side of you, to your left and right, which were seats of power in normal earthly kingdoms. So they were looking and expecting self-glory and empire and just this greatness to suddenly come upon them. They had high expectations of Jesus. But what they got was Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. They forgot about when Jesus said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first, and blessed are the peacemakers. So the question becomes, do we sometimes set our expectations a little too high for, uh, of Jesus, of discipleship, of what it means to be a disciple of Christ? You know, are we expecting, like some people, um, unfortunately, he's nothing more than fire insurance. You know, a get-out-of-hell-free card, as it were. Um, others expect Jesus to provide enormous material blessings. Things like money and fame and power. Still others expect him to fix all their problems instantly. Like some magic therapist, you know, get everything all untied and unwound and figure life out and everything is suddenly perfect. But that's not who we see Jesus as here in this, in the verses we read. He is coming to bring peace. He is coming to give life that we might have it more abundantly. He is, as he said, the way, the truth, and the life that we all long for. He simply asks that we come, become his disciples by following his teachings, the core of which is to love God and love others as ourselves. Nothing really spectacular about that, right? You know, it's, it's, discipleship is really more than being able to quote Scripture or, or spout facts about Jesus. It's more than just being a missionary 
You know, a lot of people think, oh, if I if I become a disciple of Christ, I'm going to have to go to a foreign country, or I'm going to have to stand up and preach, or teach, or do something grandiose. But really, we may actually just be simply asked to be on donkey detail, as Will Willimon puts it in his sermon by the same name. Much like the disciples that were asked to do it, just simply go fetch a donkey. If they had not followed that request, there would have been no triumphal entry. See, discipleship can so often be found in what we might think as the mundane, everyday things we do in life. It can be the simple things that we do for each other. It can be a simple card in the mail to someone who is sick or who's been feeling down or struggling lately. It can be taking a moment to listen to your child or your spouse if they're having a tough time, if they're struggling with something, just simply listening and being there for them. It can be inviting your neighbors over, especially the ones that you may not agree with, uh, agree with theologically or politically or who may not even be Christians and opening your table up to them. It's all about building and fostering relationships. It's as uh, Cesar Kalinowski describes it, doing life together. So this Palm Sunday, as we come to the close of Lent, And in its time of reflection, may we think about our expectations of ourselves as disciples, as well as our expectations of others, but especially of Jesus and what he does for us. May we accept those mundane tasks that come our way in an effort that we might live like family and love like Jesus. Thanks be to God.